Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, guys. How are we? (laughs) Oh, God, I'm not good. On about 18 levels, today is Saturday as I record this as usual, but I'm recording this at my dad's house because the power has been out in my house since Wednesday at noon. Yes, you heard that right. I've been without power for 71 hours at this point. It is insane. We had a like really bad quick thunderstorm on Wednesday where a ton of trees came down in the afternoon around noon and we lost power, but it was like, okay, we'll come back. But then Wednesday night, we had a second really bad storm. So many trees are down and we still don't have power. Uh, Thank God my dad has power so I can be over here, but this isn't my home. I want to be at my house. I just want to go home. So that, if there's background noise, I don't know what to tell you. It just, this is a weird week. I can't force everybody to be silent in this apartment. (sighs) Of course. (laughs) Okay, the other thing. Um, Obviously, the world is, I wouldn't say the world is burning. It seems like um, a lot of the burning has stopped, but the world is still on fire. Um, I'm very cognizant cognizant of that. I want to say that I, you know, I've seen a lot of white podcasters take the week off in an effort to amplify amplify black voices. And I'm going to be honest that I don't get it. I, I don't get that. I don't get, I don't get how you taking time off is amplifying anything. Um, I think the reality is is that if you have a podcast that has a mostly white audience, your mostly white audience probably only consumes mostly white content. So you not like podcasting that week, I don't think is doing anything to amplify black voices. I think it's kind of a cop out, to be honest. Um, I also think, I don't know, maybe I'm just biased because you guys, as everybody knows, I've this podcast has always been pretty political. I've always spoken my mind and I can't really imagine taking a week off because I think a lot of people are scared to say the wrong thing and I just can't, I, I don't know, I don't really relate to that. I think that if you've had a podcast and a platform that has always tried to speak what's right, then you should be able to, as a white creator, keep saying what's right and keep talking. I do, though, want to talk about black podcasters that you should be listening to. Um, I think that that is way more important than just going silent or just posting some links on your Instagram, which, I mean, most people that listen to my podcast don't look on Instagram. I have like 2,000 Instagram followers, but this podcast gets like three times the amount of listeners of that. So what I would rather do is instead at the beginning of this episode, uh, recommend some black podcasters for you. Here's the thing. White people mostly consume. Why am I out of breath? Can you hear me like panting? Some... <laughs> my <laughs> really falling apart. Okay. Um, the thing is that I've noticed, and I think most people probably are aware of this, that if you are white, you mostly consume content only by white people. You watch TV that's only about white people. I've called this out many times. The amount of people I know that watch Housewives but don't follow Atlanta and Potomac. Hmm, I wonder I wonder why that is. Um, I just think that if you are a white person and you're listening to this and you only consume content by white people, I really challenge you to change that. 
I think that the way that you can change your heart and your mind is by supporting black creators. I think that instead of going silent for a week, I would much rather read off my favorite podcasts by black content creators and you can listen to them. So I'm going to do that. I also am going to highlight a couple charities again that I've posted all the names of these on Instagram. If you follow me on or just look at feathers underscore pod, I highly suggest that you donate to these charities. Um, Also, if you are able-bodied and healthy to get out to a protest, I'm, I haven't gone to a protest yet in Florida. I was so plugged into protesting. I went to protests all the time. And since moving home, I really, I never got plugged back in and I am feeling not great about it and I want to make my voice heard. So I will be going to a protest this afternoon after I record this. And I really suggest if you are able to, but I do understand that um, we're still in a pandemic and I won't lie, like seeing all the people together, I'm like, this is scary. But also I do think it's important to make our voices heard. So these podcasts that I want to recommend, first of all, Everyone's Business But Mine with Kara Berry. I've talked about Kara on this podcast a lot. Kara's been on this podcast. I have to get her back on feathers in my hair. She's been on my uh, Patreon podcast like three or four times now, I think. I'm recording with her again this weekend. I love Kara. Kara has such great things to say. She is so clever and funny and just an all-around really good person and put out a beautiful podcast this week about what it feels like to be her, to be a black woman. And I just really suggest that you should definitely go support her on Patreon. She just recapped the Lindsay Lohan series, which is, uh, I the Lindsay Lohan docuseries is like my favorite thing in the world. I love it so much. And also she is now doing Bethany Getting Married, which is, of course, iconic and classic. So everyone's business of mine with Care Berry, gold standard. Um, Bodega Hive, if you just want laughs, I've been following Kid Marrow and Jesus nice for, I don't know, like six years now. And their come up has been really amazing to see. They're fucking funny. And I suggest listening to them. This podcast isn't really on anymore, but their catalog is so good. It's The Nod. It's a Gimlet podcast. It's just all about black culture and black pop culture. It's so good. There is an episode that's an oral history on the song Knuck If You Buck, which is... (laughs) by cry mob which is one of my favorite fucking songs i used to listen to it all the time i loved cry mob my freshman year of college i used to just listen to stiletto pumps on repeat while i was pre-gaming because all of my friends lived in a dorm like a, the dorms across campus and i lived kind of like by myself without that i mean i had friends in my dorm but like i would have to go over to where my friends were to like go out and pregame and stuff. So I would pregame for, I mean, can you tell I'm an alcoholic? I would like do my own pregame in my dorm by myself before I went to go be with my friends. And I would just listen to stiletto pumps (laughs) over and over again. So listen to the nod. There's this episode on the Sims. That's so incredibly good. Like I said, they don't really put out new episodes anymore, but I definitely, definitely suggest that you go and listen to their back catalog. There is Buy Pumpkin with Princess Jones Curtis. As you all know, Princess Jones Curtis is basically Feathers in My Hair honorary co-host. I <laughs> I don't think Feathers in My Hair would be what it is without Princess. I don't know if I've ever told her this, but she really, like, just the way that I feel creatively that we complement each other. And by creatively, I mean when we just talk because we are both gabbers and we both love to gab and we love to chat And there has never been a person that I have meshed with, like, 
on podcasting, like Princess, she just really is like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm like really losing my mind because I'm starting to tear up over this, but Princess really like, the amount of work she's done for feathers in my hair, it, like I, it it does not go unappreciated by me. And Princess, I know you're listening to this. I just, I just love you so much. And thank you for everything that you've done for feathers in my hair. And like that you get, you, you know, Princess has about 18 children living with her because she is Michelle Duggar now. And, and yet she still will take the time to get on mic for three fucking hours and just talk to me about anything. I can ask her last minute, like, Hey, can you come talk about this? Uh, for my Patreon, I'm like getting commissions and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll have Princess do that. Like, because I know she will because she is so reliable and she is just somebody that checks up on me and I just appreciate her so, so, so much. And you should definitely be listening to Buy Pumpkin. It's so good. She's doing Growing Up Gaudy now and subscribe to her Patreon. She has it at $1 right now. I think she should raise it to higher, but right now she has a $1 she puts out so much fucking bonus content. So much bonus content. Right now she's doing a series on John and K plus eight. She does these episodes called Princess Diaries, which are incredible. She talks about what it's like to be a foster parent and an adoptive parent. Uh, it's so, so, so good. I love her Princess Diaries episodes. Once she said to me, you know, I could just like call you and tell you this stuff, right? I was like, no, but I love, I love just being able to like listen to Princess talk about her life on my walks. It's like so meditative for me. I love everything Princess puts out. If you're not supporting Princess on Patreon, I don't know what you're doing. She really, like if you read my reviews, like almost so many of them mention Princess, also known as the less annoying Liz Bentley. <laughs> I just, feathers in my hair would not be feathers in my hair if it was not for Princess Jones Curtis. And I do not say that lightly. And I, I just appreciate her so 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 much i just oh thank you princess thank you for everything you've done please go subscribe to princess's patreon uh there's a new podcast that i just found it's called mixing with Moni. Moni was recently on denzo with troy another one i'm of course going to mention in just a moment and they did an episode on married to medicine a show that i've always kind of popped in and out of i've never like totally deeply followed marriage medicine, but I listened to them talk about it for two hours. Moni is amazing. She does a Bravo focused podcast, but specifically from a perspective of a black woman. She put out an episode this week talking about what it feels like to be a black woman in the podcasting space, talking about Bravo right now. And look, Bravo podcasts are very, very, very white dominated. All of the major Bravo podcasts are done by white people honestly, a big part of it is white men too. And so Moni's voice is so necessary and needed. And I highly suggest you listen to it. She's fucking funny. She watches everything. She's a Bravo historian. I highly suggest it. I'm so glad to have found her. She's so great. Listening back to this, I realized I forgot to put a person in. So here that goes. I love Why Won't You Date Me with Nicole Byer. I think she is so funny. She has like a hundred million podcasts right now. I know my sister-in-law, who has never watched reality TV in her life, subscribes to her 90 Day Fiance Patreon because she just loves Nicole so much. And if that's not an endorsement of somebody's Patreon, I don't know what it is. So Nicole, also her social media this week has been so, so, so good. She wrote this amazing post about uh, how to speak to kids about race. She is the host of 
nailed it on Netflix, which is really popular with kids. And she just wrote this post that's incredible. So definitely check out her podcast. She's like the queen of podcasting now. And check out her Instagram. And of course, last but not least, I mean, there's so many blog podcasts. This is the read. This is the read. <laughs> the read podcast, uh, which I listened to for many years. I kind of fell off at one time. So I don't really listen to it that much. But they are, you know, like the probably one of the biggest podcasts of all times. If you've never heard of the read, just go jump into it. Uh, there's just there's so many good podcasts by black creators that I think just go totally unnoticed. And it's really a shame. And I, I really do challenge you if you're white to listen to content made by black people. Uh, finally, last but not least, Dunzo, formerly Mushroom, made by my brother, Troy McGeady. Troy is, I mean, he's such a gift. And I just, uh, I love Troy so much. He is the funniest, smartest, most amazing. Uh, he just is everything. Denzo is everything, and he's finally fucking started his series on Whitney and Bobby, which I have been begging him to do forever. Oh, speaking of Whitney and Bobby, I want to recommend this YouTube series that RIP no longer gets new episodes. It's called Got To Be Real. Type in got the letter two, the letter, the letter two, the number two, the letter B, and then real. It is one of the most clever, smart, Clever and Smart made the same thing. Funny, creative YouTube series that has ever existed. It is by... She doesn't go by this name anymore. Hold on. I want to see what she's credited as. Oh, God, to be real. Okay. So her YouTube channel is Patty LaHell, but she doesn't go by Patty LaHell anymore. She goes by a different name on Twitter that I can't remember. But God, to be real is honestly... Like, I... (laughs) If you haven't watched it, what she does is she created a reality show featuring all black diva singers patty labelle whitney houston beyonce mariah carey um who else shaka khan like everyone every famous black r&b diva pop singer that you can think of and she edits together using footage of them so like she'll use footage from patty labelle's cribs episode like it's honestly incredible the amount of work that went into this so she edits this together and then does all of their voices and creates an entire show i i mean like the episodes are 10 minutes like 10 to 15 minutes long it's like i fully can't express to you her aretha franklin is the funniest thing to ever exist i really can't express to you how incredible this series is so if you've never watched got to be real please please go watch Got To Be Real from episode one. The amount of work behind it is mind-blowing. Patty LaHell is a fucking genius. So yeah. Uh, oh, and just before we get into Team Mom, I want to once again plug charities that I've talked about on here. I posted these all on Instagram and tagged the ones that had Instagram. So you can easily find them. But once again, National Bailout, uh, which focuses on fleeing, freeing black mothers from prison. Well, jail. Okay, I don't think I talked about this one on the podcast last week, so I just want to highlight it. It's called Beauty to the Streets, number two streets spelled with a Z, I believe. It is by this woman named Shirley, and she is a, like, she just is incredible. Shirley works with the homeless population in LA, primarily on Skid Row. Right now, she's trying to raise money to buy, like, a cargo van, but what she does is she provides homeless people with grooming 
stuff. Like she gets some haircuts. She does haircuts. She gets some uh, beauty products. Like what she does is so incredible. She You can easily donate to her on Venmo. I found her on Twitter, Twitter I think maybe six months ago, and I try and regularly donate to her because if you follow her on social media, like she is in the streets almost every single day helping these people and helping the homeless population of LA. And she has, you know, long-standing relationships with these people. And she just really is incredible and really walks the walk, walks the walk and talks the talk. I think it's just walks the walk. Like if you want your money to be going directly to people who need it, like beauty on the streets, beauty to the streets, I definitely recommend that you look for. Uh, I want to highlight Loveland Therapy Fund, which is a therapy fund to help get black women and girls therapy. And one that I don't think I talked about on the podcast last week is called the Marshall Project. And they are a news organization that focuses on uh, criminal justice, which of course heavily focuses on prison reform, police abolishment, and things like that, and police brutality. They're really important. I suggest donating to them. So yeah, I think that's everything that I want to say. I, once again, I just challenge you if you're white to diversify the media that you consume. I think it's really important to do so. I also think that you should challenge white content creators that are going silent to amplify voices, uh, especially if they are people that never have black people on their podcasts. I've seen quite a few uh, content creators that have decided not to release podcasts this week because they're doing so to amplify black voices, but have, I can count the like times they've had a black guest on and years of having podcasts on one hand. Um, I think that that is hypocritical and that is bullshit. And I think that if you are a person that cares about Black Lives Matter as a movement, you should be showing that in every way, shape and form in your life. And I think that if you are a person that really wants to amplify black voices you have them on your your platform and I'm not saying like they should be forcing black people to come on and talk about black lives matter and do the emotional work labor for them that's not what I'm saying like I'm not saying that they should be forcing people to come on this week and basically just like lay themselves the black people to like lay themselves down for this white person's content I mean like regularly featuring black people talking about the the shit that your show is about I, you know, I just have been paying attention recently to these people that are going silent to amplify voices and realizing that they don't ever have, and I'm not just like, I'm not saying people of color on purpose. I'm saying black people on purpose because this is a matter of uh, what is going on with black people specifically. And I, if you listen to a podcast like that, I'm not saying go fight with them, but just be aware of who's taking this week off and who's not choosing to create content and what their content they produce normally looks like. And if you think that that message, like I'm just asking you to use critical thinking skills, basically. Am I like, does that sound like I'm starting drama? I hope that I'm not, but like, it's just something that I've noticed and I can't imagine not calling it out. Like if you don't regularly have black people on your podcast, you're part of the problem. And if you're somebody that hosts a podcast and you listen to this, I challenge you to create relationships with black people so that you can have them on your podcast. Um, and it should be able to be organic, you know, like you should have organic friendships with black people so that they can come on your podcast. Uh, yeah, okay. I know I'm going to get bad reviews for this, but first of all, as you guys know, I rarely, rarely read reviews. Second of all, I don't really care. 
this is how I feel. And this podcast has always been about how I feel. And I know I'm going to be like, ugh, 20 minutes in and she hasn't even talked about Teen Mom. Well, okay. (laughs) Then feel free to stop listening. Honestly, feel free to stop listening because I think that this is really important. And I can't imagine having a platform where thousands of people listen to me talk and not talking about this shit. I think that is crazy. I think it's crazy when you have a large platform to not constantly be talking about the things that matter to you. And as I've always said, I signed off my very first episode with Fuck Donald Trump because I released my first episode, I think, two weeks before the inauguration. And I, this has always been a political podcast, and if that's a problem for you, fine. Everybody gets to listen to what they want to listen to, but it, that, this is what it is. And I'm constantly shocked by people realizing after listening to me for a long time that this is a political podcast. I'm constantly shocked by what sets people off with their like, don't be political shit when I'm like so openly talking about abortion and socioeconomics and all of that stuff. Teen Mom is an inherently political show and I stand by that. Okay, so speaking of, should we talk about Janelle this week and what happened with Janelle? So I'll be honest, I haven't been following this super closely because I believe that Janelle is extremely racist and I just don't care that much about what racist people have to say um I I don't like I don't really understand like going like to be like what does Janelle have to say about George Floyd because I don't care what Janelle has to say about George George Floyd because Janelle's a fucking racist she is a full-blown flat-out undeniable racist she is married to her full-blown flat-out undeniable racist husband Janelle has always been full-blown flat-out undeniably racist and I don't So, like, for me, it's I'm not, like, checking Janelle's page for what she has to say about Black Lives Matter because she's made it clear that she does not agree that Black Lives Matter. She's made that abundantly clear, and her husband has made that abundantly clear. So, basically, Janelle posted this, like, an Instagram story of her talking and saying that, like, she's not racist, but she didn't say anything about Black Lives Matter and George Floyd uh, because... If she did, like, she would get a lot of hate because she gets hate no matter what she does. Okay. I've seen this sentiment from a lot of people, and it makes me want to scream. It's not a legitimate excuse. First of all, if you absolutely believe in the thing that is going on, like, you speak on it regardless of consequences. Like, do you, like I said, I mean, I know I lose listeners when I get up here and talk about this. I know that for a fact. Like, I <laughs> I know that to be true, and yet I still talk about it because it's something that I believe to be right, and that's how you should be. So if you are a person that genuinely believes in this shit, you say it no matter what. You don't not say it because you're scared of the hate that you're going to get or be offending people, and I'm fucking sick of this. I'm sick of the way that influencers, and I guess I'm including Janelle in this, have been talking about this. Hey guys, I have to take a quick break here. I forgot to add a break in when I was recording this, so this is kind of an awkward place to take a break. But here we are, so I'll be right back after a quick break. The white women that are, you know, I've post, I've waited week, I've waited a week to say this because I didn't know what to say and I wasn't sure if my voice was necessary. And it's like, where have you been for the last? Eight fucking years. What year was Ferguson? What year was Trayvon? Trayvon Martin was before I started get it before I got sober. I remember where I was when I was watching the not guilty verdict come back. Like Trayvon Martin, I think was in 2012 when Trayvon was murdered. 
And then George Zimmerman got off for it. Like where, you know, Black Lives Matter has been going on for quite a long time. So where the fuck have you been? If you don't know what to say when this shit happens, what you say is Black Lives Matter. And what you do is post a link to somewhere that people can donate. If you don't know what else to say beyond that, fine. Don't say more than that. But it's when I'm seeing these this shit, like, I wasn't sure what to say. Chelsea posted something like this because Chelsea got fucking ripped last week. So Chelsea posted, I believe, one Instagram story and then, like, went on business as usual selling all her shit and posted on her grid, like, a picture of her, like, selling this awful blazer. By the way, Chelsea's clothing line is so fucking ugly. And why are there so many fucking blazers? Every time she posts a picture, there are blazers. When did we start wearing blazers like this again? I don't understand. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense what she's wearing. But she posted it and she got fucking ripped because people are like, really, this is how you're going to use your platform. I believe this was last Sunday. So I'm talking like height of uh, protests going on. This is last Sunday. And Chelsea like got ripped to shreds in it rightfully as she should have. And then the next day, she posts this story where, story, of course, not grid, story. I actually wonder if she's posted anything to her grid about this since I'm I'm going to check this. The only thing she's posted is the black square on her story. Listening, learning, praying. Okay. But she posted this gold blazer and basically people just got totally fucking mad at her. Like, where the fuck have you been? Like, this is what you're using this platform for. And so the next day on Monday morning, which, by the way, if you noticed, a lot of people on Monday started coming out, a lot of influencers influencers on Monday, I guess their uh, PR people decided that it was safe to talk about this. But, you know, I wasn't sure what to say. I'm not the best at words, but I recognize my privilege and that I don't have to worry about my children for the color of their skin. It's not that the a lot of the words she said were bad. In my opinion, it's this, I didn't know what to say. I'm sorry, but I'm coming down on you if you didn't know what to say in 2020. Like, how can you be so... I just don't understand how people can live so disconnected from current events. I don't get it. It's not something I've ever understood. People that just don't watch the news, people that just don't read the internet, people that just don't give a fuck. It's not something that I can understand. So when I see someone like Chelsea being like, well, I didn't know what to say, it's like, I mean, on Wednesday, you should have been saying Black Lives Matter. What do you mean you didn't know what to say? And I know people are listening to this and thinking, well, Chelsea's damned if she does, damned if she doesn't. Stop. Stop saying that. I am begging people to stop saying that influencers, teen moms included, are damned if they do, damned if they don't. Because your life should be more about selling your fucking brand. And it should be more, it should be about more than like what comments you get. It does not matter if you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. It doesn't fucking matter. You know what matters? That black people are getting regularly lynched in this country and the only way that they get justice if it's on film. That's what fucking matters. And the idea that you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Who gives a fuck if you're damned? Who gives a fuck? Say the right thing. Say it before it's safe to say it. Say it before Amazon puts Black Lives Matter on their fucking home feed. Don't even get me fucking... (laughs) I can't get into that. But like, say it 
when it matters. Say it before it's safe. And if you lose followers because of that, so fucking be it, dude. So fucking be it. You're doing the right thing. You're saying the right thing. This is not easy. This is not an easy fight. The fight is not for likes. The fight is not for popularity. The fight is not for money. The fight is for what is right and just. And the fact that influencers, and I'm talking about Chelsea DeBoer, don't say shit because they're too scared of getting ripped apart is exactly the problem with this. And it's why we can't make real progress. And it's because people are too scared of what consequences will be for their really easy to say statements. The fact that like Chelsea is too scared to say Black Lives Matter tells me everything that I need to know about her. It does. And if you're a person that's really struggling with this too, I challenge you to like think about what the what the consequences actually mean. And if your statement outweighs those consequences, because I guarantee you your statement does. And I know a lot of people, well, who wants to hear what I have to say? Who cares what I have to say? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The louder the voice, the more voices, the louder the scream. I truly believe that. Breonna Taylor, her case is getting reopened. Let's talk about Sandra Bland. Do you know about Sandra Bland? Do you know what happened to her? Oh my God, on Twitter this week, they found a video of Sandra before she was murdered talking about how Black Lives Matter and I just sobbed watching it. It's the saddest thing that I've ever seen. (laughs) Like, educate yourself. Truly educate yourself and say what's right. And so for this idea that like these teen moms are damned if they do, damned if they don't. No. Because if you have that, like that, that idea that these people are damned if they do, damned if they don't, then you're not, then what you're really saying with that is that like money and likes matter more than principles and that money and likes matter more than what's right and money and likes matter more than revolution. That's really what you're saying and I understand it's like an easy to say statement, but once, I guess I just keep saying this on my podcast today, but I challenge you to think about what you're actually saying when you say those things. And here's the reality. Chelsea's a fucking idiot and she doesn't care. I mean, that, <laughs> not to mince words, but like that, that's the reality is that Chelsea doesn't care. And that's why she didn't say anything. And you know what? Like, that's her right to do that. That's her right to be that way. But let's call a spade a spade. Let's not create these little walkarounds for her. And let's not create like this thing where where it's okay for her not to speak because she's going to get hate if she doesn't, hate if she doesn't. So what? Here's also the other thing. Who cares if people hate you if you're in the right? Who cares? Who cares if people hate you if you're in the right? It's more important to be on the right side of history than to get Instagram likes and, inf- and uh, sponsorships. Also, Chelsea has so much fucking money. So... <sighs> You know, Chelsea can post all day about the blazer she's selling in her new house that she's building, but she can't post Black Lives Matter. And I have a problem with that. I do. I do. Uh, I guess the other thing people are saying, why does it matter if they say something? They shouldn't say something if it's not authentic. Okay. They should. I agree. If if you don't really feel this way, then I don't want you to say it. Troy and I were talking about this. Paris Hilton posted Black Lives Matter. And if you don't know about Paris's racial history, I suggest you go look up Paris Hilton N-word, Paris Hilton using the word kike. Um, I, I highly suggest you go say that. Uh, Trisha Paytas, who I did a bonus episode on, is posting Black Trans Lives Matter, which is like, this girl has done blackface and pretended that she was trans. I, I do understand that there is a lot of fakeness in this. I do understand that. But my thing is, like, 
it is good (laughs) that this is now becoming the socially acceptable stance. That's a good thing. And the more people that post this and the more people that say this, that's a good thing. And if all you can post is that you're listening and learning and you have five fucking million followers, listening and learning is amazing. I'm not. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen and learn. I really like if you are if you are spending your week, if you're a person that's always been pretty apolitical and like you really you genuinely don't know what to say and you don't know what to do and you are actually making an effort to listen and learn. I I really do commend you. Uh, I really do think that's great. And I invite you into this movement of giving a fuck. <laughs> Black Lives Matter is not my movement, but giving a fuck is my movement. And I invite you into giving a, into the movement of giving a fuck. And into the movement of wanting justice and into the movement of caring about our future and this country's future and dismantling the racist system that this country has been founded on. Um, I I really, I invite you here. Um, But if you are genuinely listening and learning, I think that's incredible. I did have Tomlin. Hi, Tomlin. Tomlin and I talked about this with the Black Squares and she said, hey, it's actually nice instead of having to see... Uh, a video of a black person being murdered over and over again on my feed. It's nice to see the solidarity of the black square. And you know what? I said, thank you for sharing that perspective with me because I didn't really think about that. And you're exactly right. Uh, Tomlin, hi. I love you. I wish you had your own podcast that I could promote for you. (laughs) Tomlin, get a podcast is what I'm saying. Um, Tomlin is so fucking smart. Tomlin, Tomlin. I just want to take a minute to talk about Tomlin, who is one of the most incredible people that I know, who I met through Reddit. Before I had this podcast, I believe, I used to read her articles on Team Mom Junkie back in the day. And then when I realized she was on Reddit, I was like, oh, you have to come on Feathers in My Hair because you are so smart and you know so much about Team Mom. And Tomlin is a teacher and she dedicates her life. She kind of stumbled, not stumbled in, but she was working a bunch of jobs that weren't really her passion. And now she's a teacher. And in the last two years, getting to witness her develop her passion for teaching has been such an honor and such a blessing. And to see Tomlin every day is making a difference in the lives of uh, mostly black children that she educates. And she is so smart and she has so much to say. And Tomlin, I love you so much. And we should make an effort to support black teachers. We want to teach children not to be racist anymore. Like let's get more black teachers in the business and let's support black teachers. Uh, Come school year, going like come the new school year this podcast is going to make an effort to donate money to black teachers i hope i can remember i will remember to do that uh come august it is incredibly important that's a way to have an anti-racist classroom is to support black teachers and this podcast supports one tomlin who we love so much who i know the audience loves but i really appreciated tomlin's perspective on the black square thing and i'm not anti-black square i'm not anti-people showing their allyship. I'm not that. I'm anti only doing that. And I I do think that a lot of people just post that but aren't actually listening and learning. And I do think that it is, I can't imagine being Chelsea with 5 million Instagram followers and not saying anything. But at the same time, I'm not stupid enough to realize that she has 5 million Instagram followers because she doesn't say stuff like this. Right? Like because she's the the zealous Lauren Conrad. Like, that's how she gets this shit. That's how she gets so many subscribers, because she doesn't talk about politics and because she acts dumb about the world. And people like that, unfortunately. I don't even know where I'm going with this. I just really wanted to talk today. (laughs) I just really wanted to talk today. Um, Yeah, so shout out Tomlin, first of all. (laughs) 
who does not have a podcast that I can um that I can suggest, but is an incredible teacher and has a lot of good stuff to say. And I just love her so much. I just love Tomlin so much. I just think she truly is the greatest and the best. Um, okay, <laughs> where am I going? Where am I going with all this? What am I saying? Janelle. Janelle is like, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't when talking about because all I get is hate. And I guess I just want to say, stop saying that. I w- that's what I want to say. Uh, I challenge people to stop saying that. Are people going to hate this episode? Oh, God. People are going to hate this episode. Oh, well. Okay. Say la vie. <laughs> I suddenly lose all of my listeners. Oi. Could you imagine? It wouldn't be the worst thing. Truly, it wouldn't be. Okay, I guess we could talk about the show Team Mom now. Oh my god, I totally, I was going so, I forgot to put an ad break in. Oi, I'm gonna have to put an ad break in somewhere earlier in there. (laughs) And I actually need to do a second ad break right now. So right before I get to talking about this week's episode, I'm going to take a quick little break to talk about my sponsor this week, which is Best Fiends. Today's episode of Feathers in My Hair is brought to you by Best Fiends, a mobile puzzle game perfect for entertaining while staying home. Best Fiends is a game you can play right on your phone, and it's designed to be played by anyone. Best Fiends is great because the puzzles are challenging enough to be engaging, but you don't need to be some sort of serious gamer to play. The bright colors of the interface are totally pleasing to the eye, and I love to collect the game's cute characters as I play. We had some really bad storms yesterday, and my power has been out for about 24 hours. I've also had really spotty cell phone service. Thank God for Best Fiends because it was there to save the day and keep me entertained for hours. I just basically played nonstop yesterday. I've made it to level 150 and I just can't stop playing. Best Fiends updates their game every month so it never gets stale. You don't need internet to play so it's a perfect game for those of us currently dealing with slow Wi-Fi since everyone in our house is working from home or you've had some really bad summer storms and your power is out. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Okay. Hi. (laughs) If you're still listening, thanks. (laughs) I appreciate it. (laughs) oh my god I've lost my mind oh god imagine if I like didn't talk about myself in politics on this podcast what would I talk about (laughs) oh yeah 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 okay should we talk about who should we talk about first do I want to talk about Amber first let's chat about Amber first shall we shall we chat about Amber Yo, Amber has lost her goddamn mind <laughs> with this Dimitri stuff. She's going to marry him, right? She has to marry him. Oh, also, oh my God. I can't believe I forgot to mention this last week. Somebody pointed out on my Instagram that I forgot to mention this, which by the way, I do appreciate when you guys um, nicely, of course, which it almost always is, point out things that I forgot to mention because I definitely uh, don't take the best notes in the world. And I, you know, I get into my fugue state while I'm recording and then I totally forget to talk about certain things that I really did want to mention. Somebody pointed out that uh, last week, Bubby said, Sean said that, um, Dimitri only wanted to be with Amber for like a green card so he could come to America and 
To me, that's kind of crazy because Dimitri is a person that lives in Belgium, which is a beautiful, nice, socially serviced, that's not the right word, but a person that lives in a nice country that takes care of them. (laughs) He has a longstanding career. He has children. And the idea that somebody would want to leave Belgium to live in Indiana is a little crazy to me. That's a little crazy to me. The idea that he's just with Amber because he wants a green card. I don't I don't agree with that. What I think is that he wants to be rich and on TV and be famous. Uh, I think those are two very different things. I think that there's, the reason he sought out Amber is not for a green card. He sought out Amber so that he could be on TV and so that she would pay every single bill of his because he was a Team Mom fan and he saw how she paid every bill for all of her significant others. I think that probably is a much bigger factor than the fact that he's trying to like get a green card and then he's going to ditch her so he can live his life in Indiana. (laughs) That to me just doesn't make a ton of sense, you know, just like not a ton of sense. Okay. uh, So Dimitri has to leave because his visa is up and (laughs) Amber says the funniest thing. Oh my God. I screamed when this happened. She goes, you know, in Belgium, you're going to be busy with your kids and I'll be busy with, and I was like, is she going to say my kids? There's like a pause. She goes, and I'll be busy with my stuff. (laughs) Wow. That's dark. A woman who has two children of her own is speaking to her boyfriend and says, you'll be busy with your kids and I'll be busy with my stuff. (laughs) Oh, Amber. Oh, Amber, you sad little girl. You sad little girl. What would Amber possibly be busy with? We know it's not her kids because she doesn't see them. Not really. I actually am curious about how much um, she takes advantage of her visitation with James. I believe as it stands right now, she gets three non-consecutive day visits and they're still supervised. So probably like, let's say she goes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I think they're for like three hours. I really wonder if she's keeping up with those because, as we know, she definitely doesn't keep up with Leah. Although, here's the thing. I think the reason that she has been seemingly a lot more involved in with James and taking care and, like, showing up to the visits and, like, pushing for custody in a way that she never has with Leah is because she wants – she's still interested in abusing and controlling Andrew and, like, doing this out of spite for Andrew. I don't personally think that she really cares about James – I don't think that she really cares about where James lives. I, I don't think she cares about any of that. But I do think that she has a vested interest in making sure that Andrew doesn't um, get full control over James because then Andrew will be winning. And I think she very, like, which <laughs> the idea of thinking of you and your children as something that you win is beyond fucked up. But I think that is absolutely how she sees things. And I think for Amber that, like, she probably does keep up with her visits with James because she wants to prolong um, the court case with Andrew and the custody case with Andrew. And she knows the only way she's going to be able to get more custody of James to make Andrew's life harder is if she continues to keep up with her visitations. Now, Leah, on the other hand, uh, she's never been angry. Like, she's not angry at Gary the same way that she is with Andrew, I think. Post-prison, once they kind of settled on their custody stuff, I think because she right away got with Matt and, like, was able to focus her attention on Matt, I think that she didn't have that need to win with Gary. And so she doesn't 
really care to see Leah because she's not in a competition with Gary over Leah. I think for whatever reason, she just kind of accepted that she's not going to be part of Leah's life and that's fine with her. Like, she doesn't care to fight for more visitation. Remember, she used to, like, get up on the Team Mom reunion stage and cry about how she wanted more custody and Gary would be like, okay, but, like, you're allowed to pick her up from school every day and you never do. Like, you, like, all I ask before we talk about more custody is that you continue through with the custody agreement we already have and take advantage of the custody agreement we already have. Like, so I really do think that she probably does see James pretty regularly because I think that she still has a vested interest in punishing Andrew. Um, And that's fucked up. (laughs) But when Amber's like, I'll be busy with my stuff. Like, Amber, you're not busy with shit. Like, Amber's probably the least busy person that's ever lived. She's the least busy adult in the world. I haven't had a job in three and a half months, and Amber's still significantly less busy than me. (laughs) To be fair, I mean, I kind of have a part-time job with doing my second podcast, but still. So Gary and Christina talk about Dimitri leaving, and Christina's like, well, can he just leave for two weeks and then come back? Like, don't, aren't visas a little more strict than that? And I am not sure, I guess, because he wasn't able to come back in the end. But I'm I'm unaware of, like, what the rules and regulations are for visas. I know I did know a lady that was um, living in London, and every two months she would have to come back, I think two months, she would have to come back to the U.S. for a certain amount of time before she could go back in because she was just there on a visa. So I'm not sure if it's similar for Europe. I'm guessing they thought it was similar because he was here for three months and then the plan was for him to go back for two weeks and they already had a like a uh what's it called a plane ticket for him to come back but we saw that that didn't work I wonder though what the date was around all of this because they just said immigration issues but I wonder if COVID stuff was starting because if you'll notice a lot of the some of this episode Mackenzie and Macy were self-filming um because I'm assuming that they needed some well Cheyenne too because I'm assuming they needed some more footage uh because I'm guessing MTV probably shut down production around I looked it up Angie's birthday was May 12th so I'm guessing MTV probably shut down production around like May 10th to 20th somewhere if I remember correctly it's around May 16th where they were saying like you shouldn't travel and some places were issuing stay-at-home orders I think my county didn't get a stay-at-home order until like May 9th or May 20th, but I believe my last day in the office at work was May March 16th. I'm saying May. Wow. Okay. But I mean March. So I, I would guess that MTV was limiting the cruise travel like towards the beginning of March. And so I wonder when they say like Amber, Dimitri can't come back in because of immigration issues. I wonder if that's when Trump was saying that like, uh, People couldn't come into the country and issuing the travel bans and stuff like that. I'm a little curious what exactly immigration issues means. Um, I And the thing is, Amber's not on social media so much, so it's harder to track her stuff than it is with some of the other cast members, which, I mean, I guess good for you, Amber. <laughs> uh, Gary, Christina says, well, do you think they're going to get married? And Gary's like, honestly, if you had asked me three months ago, I would have said no, but now, like... If that's the only way that she can have him in the country, then yeah, I, I like I think they will. And I'm with Gary here. Um, Gary and Christina are being their polite selves and not criticizing Amber, but they're like she really should get per- through probation first. In my head, I was like, why doesn't Amber go with him to Belgium? She doesn't have anything to do. And I was like, oh right, 
she's on a pretty strict probation and they probably won't let her travel to Belgium. I like to imagine Amber, like, traveling in a foreign land. (laughs) I can imagine... I can perfectly imagine the outfit that Amber would wear to walk around France. To, like, imagine Amber, like, walking around Paris and, like, those jeans and, like, the knee-high boots that she still wears and, like, a big hat and, like, a shawl wrapped around her. I hope everybody can imagine exactly what I'm describing right now. Oh, I can picture it so perfectly. So, yeah, Amber, or Gary and Christina want Amber to focus on probation, which, like, no doy. But I think they all know that Amber will not focus on probation because Amber doesn't give a fuck about that. So they're, Amber's dropping Dimitri off at the airport and they're sad. They're sad and they're all alone and she's going to drop her off or she's going to drop him off. And they're like, well, you'll be back in two weeks. You'll be back in two weeks. And then Amber's talking to a producer and the producer's like, so do you miss him? And she goes, he's missing me. That's for sure. And I'm like, oh my God. She's like, well, you know, the next time he comes, like, his goal is to get a green card. I'm like, what? Getting a green... The way she says it, it's like, well, yeah, like, you know, his goal next time he's here is that we'll go to L.A. and so he can have in and out Like, the way she says it so casually for something that is so hard to get really, really made me laugh. <laughs> really made me laugh. I mean, they're still trying to get Leah's uh, brother-in-law or whoever he is, Victoria's baby dad, into the country, and they haven't been able to do that. And that this has been a process for a while with Leah paying for immigration lawyers. Like, it's not that easy. And I do think that if Amber really wants him to come live with her, that she needs to marry him. I think that that is probably the only reasonable way that she's going to get him to come do that. But she would be an idiot to marry him. But also, Amber's an idiot. So, like she'll probably marry him. (laughs) So her producer is like, um, are you comfortable with being alone? Like, did you get used to being alone? Because like this, you know, last fall after everything happened, like you were really alone for a while. And she's like, you know, I'm very comfortable being alone. But here's the thing. I let men take my independence from me and make me believe that the only the healthy relationship is codependency, but I'm not really like that. I'm extremely independent. Guys, I could scream. What the fuck is she talking about? What is she talking about? She's lost her fucking mind. When has Amber ever been independent? When has she ever been anything but codependent? She's codependent with this Dimitri guy. She wants him to live with her already. They've barely been together for a minute and she's already trying to get him here on a green card so that they can live together. What is she talking about? What is she talking about? That she lets men take her independence from her? Once again, Amber has untreated borderline personality disorder. It is extremely hard to be independent and healthy relationships when you have an untreated personality disorder where a lot of the diagnostic behavior focuses on your unhealthy relationships with other people. (laughs) Like, it's not Matt and Andrew's fault that she has been in codependent relationships solely. Like, Yeah, they're part of the problem, of course, because these are two very toxic relationships she's had. But, like, they didn't force her into being codependent. Like, Amber is her own person. Like, she chose to get into these relationships. Amber's lost her goddamn mind. And the episode ends with a little flash on the screen that was, like, um, Dimitri. Two weeks later, Dimitri's not able to come back to the country because of immigration issues. Oh, well, so sad. Too bad. Also, did anybody notice that the 
last scene of this episode, you know, they always, every episode they do like the montage of like everybody doing their lives over music. This one felt like very series finale-ish. Although I'm sure this is not the series finale. We know this show's going to go on till the end of time, but it felt very series finale. I wonder if they edited that way with just COVID just being so unsure when they'll be able to get back to filming. Um, oh, Brie from Teen Mom 2, Brie D. Jesus, uh, has been talking about how she's going to have a really bad season <laughs> and the stuff they filmed <laughs> is really embarrassing and she never wants to see it. And she's like already like so upset that Team Mom 2 is going to come back because it's going to be such a bad season for her. And Ashley says that apparently uh, Brie fucked Lewis uh, randomly one night after a club appearance. Brie slept with Lewis and then she gets a clap from him. <laughs> Guys, I'm thrilled. <laughs> That is exactly what I want to see on Team Mom 2. Truly cannot wait for that to come back. Okay, let's go on to talk about Cheyenne, who... Okay, first of all, Corey's getting a self-film baby special, as I talked about, which I don't think I'll be watching. I will say the only reason that I would want to read a, like, review of what happened on being Corey or Corey's birth... Corey's delivery special. I'm sure that's what they're calling this. Corey's delivery special because Corey birthed this baby, according to MTV. Um, the only thing that I want to see is I'm interested in seeing how they are handling Ryder during COVID. I've been a little surprised with how lax Cheyenne has been through the whole stay-at-home stuff. Um, they continued with custody exchanges the whole time. Uh, Cheyenne has spent a lot of time with people that are not her family members. Look. Everybody got to do COVID and stay at home how they wanted to do. I really am not criticizing that. Uh, everybody had to make a decision for themselves. Okay. What I'm confused about is that Ryder has a serious genetic condition that if she even gets a fever, she can have life-threatening seizures. Um, we saw her in the hospital multiple times this season. This whole episode is about her going to D.C. to work with a... Uh, like an advocacy group that's advocating for children with rare diseases. And I was pretty surprised not to see Corey and Cheyenne, one, uh, make a decision to stop doing custody handoffs. I know it's really hard. I'm not, I'm not saying like that would be an easy decision for anybody to make, but I did find it interesting that they made that decision because I kind of figured that they would be taking like every piece precaution with Ryder. I do know that in general, they kids haven't really been uh, showing symptoms of it. They've been mostly asymptomatic. But if Ryder already has a disease that makes her extremely susceptible to sickness and that when she gets fevers, she can have life-threatening seizures, you would think that Cheyenne would have been like, Cheyenne and Corey both would have, one, probably made a decision not to be handing her back and forth would two not be having um, Ryder go to the hospital? I was shocked to see her dropped off at the hospital. Uh, maybe she wasn't at the hospital. Maybe she actually was at Corey's house. She must have been at Corey's house. That probably wasn't the hospital, right? I wasn't, I guess I wasn't paying 100% attention. But I wonder if she was even allowed, like, I don't think kids were even allowed to be in the hospital in general because they had this baby in April. Um, but I was shocked to see her so soon go over to see the baby. Um... I was shocked to see her in the car with someone who does not live in Cheyenne's house. We know that Cheyenne and her sister Kyle live together with Ryder and Boz. Boz is Cheyenne's nephew. 
Kyle's son. I was, I don't know. I've like been see. I saw her post. Her cousin had, um, they did like a family prom for her cousin, which was like cute because her cousin was missing prom. But once again, it was people that didn't live in her house. So I'm just a little confused because you would think that with how serious Ryder's disease is, that they would be like hyper alert for COVID stuff, which it, I'm not getting the impression that they were. And that's the only thing I would be interested in when it comes to this baby special because I'm a little curious about how lightly it seems that Cheyenne is taking this because in general, it does seem like Cheyenne is pretty serious about Ryder's health and making sure she stays healthy. And like, if you'll remember, they didn't go to pick Corey up at the airport last week when he came home from the challenge because she was still sick and they like couldn't expose her to anybody else. And you would think that they would be like, Cheyenne would be like strictly stay at home and not letting anybody else come near her. And like that you would think that maybe her and Corey would make a decision not to be passing like the baby back and forth, not the baby, the child, there is a new baby coming. (laughs) I don't know. I have questions. I have questions about it. Okay. So Cheyenne is invited to go to Washington DC to meet with this organization that trying to raise awareness for children with rare diseases, which is great. Uh, Corey and Taylor come over to talk about it. Taylor's not going to go because she's doing six weeks and she's just too pregnant, but Corey's going to go. Here's something weird. So Corey announces that they got an apartment together and Cheyenne seems surprised and upset. Like they're having a baby together. (laughs) And I would imagine that they were basically de facto living together for the last however long. Like, Cheyenne's like, oh, really? You got an apartment together? It's like, yeah, Cheyenne, because they're having a baby. (laughs) It was very weird. I was very surprised by Cheyenne this whole episode. I mean, I think what was happening is like all the stuff that Cheyenne is repressed because I think we can all see that Cheyenne is not a very emotional person. She's not somebody that speaks about her emotions. She seems to shove all of her emotions down at all times, have really bubbled up. And yeah, I think that it's just all coming out. But like Cheyenne being surprised that they got an apartment together. It's like, yeah, they're partners and they're having a baby. Like they're going to live together. Cheyenne also is, I don't know, she's making a lot of like snide comments in this episode. She's talking to her parents and she's like, well, I want to make sure that like riders and pushed aside for this new baby. I think it was an unfair comment to make on camera. Um, as far as we know, since Corey has found out about Ryder, he has always been 100% devoted to her and has been a pretty stand-up father. And, you know, he didn't even come into this baby's life until she was six months old. And as soon as he found out, like, he has been all about Ryder and doing what's best for Ryder. Um, I think what actually is happening is that Cheyenne is having to, like, finally accept that she will not be with Corey and that they do not have the family that she wants them to have, which you would think would have happened earlier considering Taylor is about eight months pregnant in this episode. But I guess this is really, for her, this is, like, this is this is the moment that it's hitting her, which, to, like I said, to me seems weird because it's been going on for so long but I guess that is what's happening. Ugh, I don't, I don't know. I don't, a lot of things I don't get with Cheyenne. Cheyenne doesn't make a lot of sense to me for some things. And the Corey stuff is part of it. She's, you know, she's telling her parents like, 
well, you know, Ryder's going to be jealous because she's used to having all of my attention and all of Corey's attention and all of Taylor's attention. And now she's going to have to deal with a new baby. And I thought her mom's, ex- like, reaction to this was kind of funny because her mom was like, yeah, <laughs> like, he will. Like, he'll have to adjust to it. <laughs> Basically, I think her mom was being like, yeah, bitch, like, that's what happens when you have more than one kid. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of shitty to say all this on camera because she's, like, really implying that she doesn't think Corey's going to be able to, like, handle having more than one kid and still give attention to Ryder. I think really what she's nervous about is that she is really comfortable with the way that Corey has been, like, totally folded into her family and the fact that, like, Corey is, like, you know, her and Corey have this little family between them and, like, it's been fine with Taylor so far because this little family revolved around Ryder, right? Like, things with Taylor and Cheyenne have been fine because, like, Taylor hasn't really had a stake in this. Like, there, Ryder has been the number one focus, which means that, in a way, Cheyenne gets a higher focus than Taylor because Cheyenne is the mother of Corey's child. And I think that Cheyenne feels really threatened by the fact that now... Like, I don't think Cheyenne is genuinely worried about Corey not giving Ryder attention when the new baby comes. I think Cheyenne is really worried about what that means for the attention that Corey gives her when the baby comes. And what that means about, like, how Corey includes Cheyenne in things. And I think she also is worried about Taylor now having more of a say. Because I think since Taylor has come in the picture, Taylor has kind of been forced to, like, kowtow to uh, Cheyenne. Which, you know, it makes sense. Like, Ryder is the focus of all of their lives, and Cheyenne is Ryder's mom. And as Ryder's mom and primary caregiver, like, Corey and Taylor really just, like, bend to Cheyenne's whim, as far as we've seen. And I think Cheyenne is worried about, like, what exactly it means for for um, Taylor now to kind of have equal power in Cheyenne, or in their lives, and actually, if anything, not even equal power, probably more power than uh, Cheyenne has, because she's the one that's with Corey, and I think Cheyenne is very worried about the power dynamics that are going to change in their family, and, like, I don't necessarily blame her for that. <laughs> she's about to be knocked out in number one position to number two, and I think she's very worried about that, and I don't think it necessarily has much to do with Ryder as much as it has to do with Taylor and Cheyenne. I think we saw that last week at the gender reveal, uh, very much so, because I think that that was, I can't believe I didn't pick up on this last week. I don't think I did. That was the first event that Cheyenne was going to where she was not number one in Corey's life, right? That was the first event that they were going to that was focused on Corey and Taylor being a family and Taylor as the baby mom. And that Cheyenne is just kind of off to the side and doesn't actually factor into this. Here's the thing, though, like, that's okay and that's healthy, (laughs) Right or Cheyenne should not be number one in Corey's life. Taylor, the his girlfriend, his partner, the person that he's spending his life with, really should come before Cheyenne. Ryder, of course, should come first, and of course things should be civil and even more than civil, friendly and great with Cheyenne. And I'm not saying that, but Taylor should be the number one priority. And the reality is is his relationship with Taylor should be the focus of their family over his relationship with Cheyenne. And I just think Cheyenne is worried about how that's going to go go for her. And to that I say, like, Cheyenne, just time to get your own boyfriend and to find somebody that's, like, husband material and to really build a life for him with him. Uh, because Corey's not going to wait around 
for that. And Corey's not just like fucking around with Taylor until he can be with you. I don't think Corey's interested in that. So I think that it's time for Cheyenne to like get a real relationship with a real man that wants to be, not that she wasn't with real men before. That sounded weird. To get a real relationship with someone that's actually available and somebody that she really does see a future with because I don't think she necessarily saw that with Matt because Matt lived across the country and that guy Zach, I think was his name, that she was with before and living with. I think he was just a placeholder. I think that she really, I think she needs to get her own life (laughs) and get her own family. You know, I think that Corey and Cheyenne are family because of Ryder But I don't think it's bad that Corey is going to put his family, which is Taylor, Ryder, and Mila, first before Cheyenne. I think that that's natural, normal, and healthy. And Cheyenne's going to have to deal with that. Okay, so the family goes to Washington, D.C. We see some cute babies. Cheyenne gives a speech. Corey's vlogging it. Blah, 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 blah. And I mean, it's fine, right? She, Cheyenne and Corey talk about it, and she's like, I want to make sure that Ryder is a priority. And Corey's like, yeah. I mean, I, like, I, what Corey's trying to say to her is like, I don't know how this is going to go because I've never had a second child before. (laughs) But yes, Ryder will still be a priority. And I believe him. And I believe that he and Taylor are not going to be putting Mila first just because, like, they all live together. Like, I do believe that that Ryder will still be the priority, like, on equal footing with Mila. I do. I absolutely believe that. Um, so baby Mila is born and, uh, Cheyenne drops her off, drops Ryder off to meet her and Cheyenne starts crying on the way home because she's like, I just would, I never thought this would be my life. I never thought I'd be dropping Ryder off to meet her sister, uh, implying that like she thought if Ryder met a sibling that she would be meeting, you know, the sibling that Cheyenne gave her. To that I say like, then why did you go through your pregnancy? through with your pregnancy to a man that you weren't married to slash didn't even really know who the father was slash were planning on being a single mom until you found out that Corey was the father. You know, I don't know. My thing is, is like, if you're going to have a family, an untraditional, that sounds awful, but if you're going to have a family situation in which like you are not with the father of your child in a partnership and you're planning to be together forever, um, I think that it's kind of weird to then, like, expect your life to then be on a traditional path. Because Cheyenne brought this baby into the world. My understanding is that she was planning on being a single parent. I guess maybe she was not planning on having a father involved at all. So she thought she would just be, like, fully in control of Ryder and Ryder's life. And, I, I mean, I guess that makes sense then. But I don't know. My thing is, it's like, well, you had a baby with some guy that, like, you weren't together with. So this is just kind of the reality of the situation. And while it's okay to be sad, I think that, like, I'm not really sure why you planned on having such a traditional trajectory for your daughter if you were making an untraditional decision. I hate the use of the word traditional here. But I I hope you understand what I'm trying to say with that. And, I mean, I have empathy for Cheyenne. I think her feelings are very natural and normal. And I think that's how almost anybody would feel in that situation. And like I said, I think she's really mourning the loss of Corey and probably didn't let herself do that because immediately after Corey was like, we're not sleeping together anymore. I'm going to be with Taylor. She got with Matt, right? Like right away, like within days, I'm pretty sure she met Matt. So I think she just never really like mourned the loss of being with Corey. I think once Corey, (laughs) I think once Corey came onto the show and Cheyenne came onto the show, 
Corey really led Cheyenne on and was sleeping with her and really made it seem like she was really probably letting herself believe that they were going to get married and have a family together and like how great that would be. And then he blew that up. And so she suddenly like gets with Matt. And I would imagine right now what she's dealing with is like, it's not so much about that she's dropping Ryder off to meet her sister. I think what she's really upset about is like, this is it. Me and Corey are never going to have the white picket fence family that I want. We're just never going to. It's never going to be that. And I, I would imagine that's very hard and she's grieving. And I get that. I get that. I feel for Cheyenne. I just think, like, I think she's maybe been a little delusional with herself, but, like, who hasn't been delusional with themselves, right? Like, who hasn't? We're all guilty of that, and I'm I'm just kind of talking about this because I have a podcast that talks about this, but when I watch this, I'm not like, ugh, Cheyenne. Ugh. Ugh. She's so stupid for thinking this. But, like, when I get into, when I'm, like, picking this apart and pulling this apart in the ways that I do for this podcast, I will say there are a lot of things I talk about on this podcast that I don't necessarily, not that I don't believe, but I think if I didn't do a podcast talking about this, I wouldn't be pulling it apart this way, if that makes sense, and I would just be watching it. Um, But, yeah, like, I have empathy for Cheyenne, and I understand how she got to where she is, but I hope that she's able to grieve this life that she wanted with Corey and put that away and like really move on from that. And I think that Cheyenne need, I hope for Cheyenne to find a partner that she can like build her own family with. And I really don't think that Cheyenne and Corey need to be as close as they are. I think that Taylor and Corey and Mila and Ryder should have a family and then Cheyenne and Ryder have a family. And I think it's beautiful and wonderful that they get together and that they get along and that everybody's okay but they don't, I just have, and I've said this since they first came on the show, right? When everybody was like, oh my God, co-parenting goals. And I was like, they're too close. They're too close. And I really do think that they, there's like an undercurrent of something going on between the two of them that can just lead to too much heartache. I think especially for Cheyenne. I think not for Corey because Corey's a user and a manipulator. Um, but I think for Cheyenne, that's the case. And I don't want to see that for Cheyenne because I, I like Cheyenne. And I think once Cheyenne, like, gets an actual partner and kind of moves forward with her life, she won't even think about this anymore. Okay, that's it for Cheyenne. Let's talk about, who else is on the show? I'm like, well, who's on the show? Oh, let's talk about Kate and Tyler. Okay. Why are they not in my notes? Oh, here we go. So, Nova's five, uh, Veda's one, and... Kate now is, like, thinking about having another baby because I guess once a baby hits one, you start thinking about having another baby, which to me makes sense. Like, once your baby is no longer a little baby, it's easy. I can understand that baby fever. Um, There is a weird moment where Kim is over and they're talking about this and Kim says, like, oh, yeah, Kate and I were talking about this the other day. Has she won another baby? And Tyler goes, you were talking about it? You two talked about that? And I was like, why? It was weird. It was like a blink and you miss it moment, but I found it very bizarre. Tyler seemed a little threatened that the two of them were talking. I've always thought that Tyler and Kim have had a really toxic relationship when it comes to Kate. Um, I really like somebody posted a clip on Reddit the other day of Tyler talking shit on Kate to his mom, and somebody left a comment like, "When I have." When my sons are old enough, I'm going to tell them, like, I'm not going to let them talk to me about their wives. They should go to their friends for that. And I was like, God, well said. Like, I so, I so agreed with that. I've always found that Kim, Tyler's mom, being his 
like his venting board. Venting board is not a phrase. I know his outlet for venting about Kate has always been really shitty because Kim is always going to take Tyler's side, most likely, unless something's really egregious. And, you know, a friend can kind of, a friend is more neutral and a friend can like forget, forgive and forget. And like the things he says, whatever, it's like, you don't care that much. But Kim has always just been like a little too involved. And that's because she lets Tyler talk to her about all the things that he hates about Kate. And so I think that makes it very hard for Kim and Kate to have a healthy, independent relationship. And I think that's kind of proven by the fact that Tyler was so caught off guard and seemed upset that Kim and Tyler, or that Kate and Tyler, wow, Kate and Kim were talking about having another baby. Like, that's such a normal and fine conversation for a daughter and mother-in-law to be having, talking about how Veda is one and how Kate maybe wants one more, but she isn't sure. And, like, that's, like, such a non-controversial conversation for Kim and Kate to have. And yet Tyler was like, what? What? You talked about that? Huh? It Like I said, it was just a moment, but I, I think it's because I had seen that clip and that comment on Reddit, like, right before I watched this. So I was like, ooh, not good. So Tyler just really wants to have a boy. He really wants to have a boy. Okay. <sighs> Should we talk about it? Should we talk about gender selection IVF? Here's the thing. Do I on principle, necessarily support gender selection IVF? No, because I think that gender selection IVF is often used to get boys because boys are seen as more uh, like preferred in society than girls. I think that is the real conversation behind gender selection IVF. Uh, I did see, I'm just talking about Reddit a lot. I did see a Reddit post this week where somebody that struggled with infertility was really mad that Tyler and Kate would, who could have healthy babies, would dare to go do gender selection. To that I say poo-poo. I have a lot of empathy for people who uh, struggle with infertility. I have a lot of empathy for anybody that needs to do IVF. I have a lot of empathy for people who can't conceive. Uh, I want to make that clear that this is not me shitting on that. I do understand the frustration when you are watching somebody on TV get pregnant willy-nilly and Kate is extremely fertile, as we know, um, not be satisfied with the babies they have. I can imagine that it is hurtful and it's hard. And I think that that is definitely a valid feeling. However, the reality is, is that anybody that wants it can go get IVF if they can pay for it. And I don't think that criticizing Kate and Tyler for wanting a boy or for people that do gender selection IVF, you know, basically what I saw was a post that was like, if they want a boy, they should adopt one. I think that that's a shitty mentality. I think that if there is science available to get a, to make a baby via IVF, that if you want to then make a baby via IVF with gender selection, like, I, I don't know, I just don't. I don't see the issue in that personally. Like, <laughs> I see the political issue as I stated. But if I if I step back from that, um, I think if the science is available, then the science is available. Um, I feel like I'm like about to wade into eugenics talk, <laughs> which is like not where I want to go at all. I feel like I'm rambling a little bit about this because I really, I really don't want to offend anybody with what I say. And I, the reality is, is I haven't struggled with infertility. But that's also because I've never tried to get pregnant. 
So who knows? Maybe I am infertile. Like I, I wouldn't know at this point in my life because I haven't tried to get pregnant. And, but I've also never been pregnant, even with really careless birth control. So who knows? Um, basically what I'm saying is I don't think it's, it makes sense to say that if Kate and Tyler want a boy, they should adopt because it's unfair that they can get pregnant on their own. Um, I don't think you should ever be telling anybody to adopt. (laughs) I don't think anybody should ever say you should just adopt. I don't think that that is a mindset that makes sense. And I think that I'm cutting that off. I just said something and I cut it out. I hope you guys get what I'm saying. I think I'm going to stop that conversation right there because I don't think, I just, (laughs) you're damn, look at me like now pretending I'm damned if I do, I damned if I don't. I, that's not the case here. I just really, I want to be empathetic to everyone. And I guess my position is that like, I'm not so hot on gender selection IVF, but I also don't, I don't see a problem if Kate and Ty decided to do it to do that necessarily. I think that if you have two girls and you really want a boy, then I don't really care if you go use science to get a boy. I just don't. Same as if you have two boys and you really want a girl and then you go use science to get a girl and you have the money to do that. Like, I don't care. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) if I just stepped in it, let me know. Send me a DM and let me know. Uh, But I also think that like, I, I just think if the science is available, the science is available and that's okay. Wow. This is like the most nervous I've been to talk about a subject maybe ever on this podcast because I do want to be very aware that this is not my struggle in fertility, uh, at least not yet, as I said. And I want, I don't want to make someone feel like their feelings are not valid. And I understand that things are hurtful, even if it's not rational. And I do understand that like, it's not always a rational pain, but I think on, it's okay to feel frustration with Kate and Ty, who are able to have as many babies as they seemingly want to have uh, for going and using IVF. But I also just want to remind everyone that they're not taking resources from anyone else and that that doesn't, you know, like what they choose to do via science doesn't really have an impact on anybody else and that you can validate those feelings of yours, but also recognize that like it, it's, that's their journey and they get to have their own journey. Um, I don't think they were probably ever that realistic about doing this. I think MTV was like, cool, This we've never had an IVF storyline. And I think that they were excited to be able to film an IVF storyline. I think the reality is, is Kate was never going to do IVF. <laughs> She's way too lazy for that. Let's be real. Kate was never doing IVF. They go to see the doctor and they find out that it is $22,000, which as we all know, they owe a million dollars in taxes, so they can't afford that. And it also is just crazy to have to pay $22,000 in this case when they don't really have $22,000. I think that um, Kate and Ty should probably just not have any more babies. (laughs) I think the real reason that Tyler wants a boy so bad, honestly, I don't think Tyler cares about playing sports or fixing cars or like the stereotypical things that you need a son for. I don't think it's that. I think, well, one, I think that it's a totally natural desire to want to have both a boy and a girl. Like, if I had two kids today, I would hope that I would have a boy and a girl. I just do. I think that I think that lots of people want that. I think that the way our society is built, it totally makes sense to want to have one of each sex. That's, I think, part of it. Because they have two girls plus Carly, and so he just wants the experience of having a son. And I think that's totally fair. I think the real reason is, is that Tyler wants to... <laughs> this is... This is deep. I think that Tyler wants to um, have a father-son relationship that he never had. I think that 
because he only has daughters, he doesn't feel like he's able to see himself necessarily and his kids. And I think he feels so deprived of a father because his father is Butch that he's really desperate to have a son and be able to give a son the father that he did not have. Now, I hope that he can acknowledge that giving a daughter this, the father that he did not have is basically the same thing. But I do think, I don't know if Tyler would consciously say this. I don't think this is like a conscious thought for him. But I really do think that a big part of it is that Tyler just wants to be able to recreate what he did not have. Now, is that healthy? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But I definitely think that that is a big part of it. Um, I think Kate and Tyler are definitely not going to do IVF. I actually don't see Caitlin and Tyler having another baby. Um, I think they'll be kind of surprised. I'll be kind of surprised if they have another baby. There's also the fact the doctor, like, can't guarantee that you are going to have a boy. <laughs> it's possible that Tyler only makes girl sperm or however that works. Um, they can't, imagine if you paid $24,000 and none of the embryos are boys. That would be crazy. That would really be crazy. Okay. Um, yeah. If you have feedback about what I just said about all this, please feel free to DM me. This is... Like I said, everything I just said is coming from the perspective of someone that has not been through a fertility struggle, and I do want to acknowledge that in everything that I say regarding IVF because I I think it is a different conversation if you are struggling with fertility versus if you're not, and I think it would be crazy if I sat here and said that my opinion is the only valid one that matters on this, even though you guys all know that is how I feel about most things. Surprisingly, this is something that I do not feel that way about. <laughs> Um, one of the few things in this world that I do not feel that way about. And I really, I hope that I came across as sensitive and empathetic to people that are struggling. Uh, that's, that is really important to me. And I, I think you guys know how important that is to me. And I just want to make sure that I am not invalidating anybody's feelings when it comes to this very serious and very personal, uh, fertility journey that many men, men and women, but I mean, mostly women, I think, carry the burden of it, but men are part of it too, uh, that couples, whoever, go on. So yeah, if you have, if you feel like that was totally wrong with me, please send me a DM and we can chat about it. I am open to hearing and learning on this subject. Okay, let's talk about Macy, who self-filmed a lot of this episode. Uh, basically, the big story is that Bentley gets into private school. Woohoo! <laughs> Great. <laughs> I don't know. Like... Am I supposed to be excited about this? I think there's like nothing that I've ever been less excited about than Bentley getting into private school. Cool. Cool. Don't care. Um, Taylor is like, do you think he'll tell Ryan that he got in? And Macy's like, no, I think Jen and Larry will tell Ryan. And I think they're right. Like, I, I don't think Bentley calls Ryan for anything. Um, I don't think Bentley really talks to Ryan unless Ryan's at Jen and Larry's house. I think that they'll immediately tell Jen and Larry that Bentley got in because, as we all know, Jen and Larry are Macy's co-parents. Um, I think Jen and Larry will be happy, and I think Ryan will probably be happy. But, yeah, I don't think Bentley really talks to Ryan like that, which is sad. I mean, it is sad. Uh, so the order of protection is up soon, and they come to the conclusion that they are going to let it dissolve. Basically, I didn't realize this either. Macy has the option of asking for it to be extended because she's still fearful or letting it dissolve. And when Ryan is talking about this, he's like, she would be lying if she asked for it to be extended, which, look, 
do I agree with the way that Ryan said this? No, because he, like, calls her a liar and just comes off like an asshole. And also, he's so high in the scene where they talk about this. But do I agree with the sentiment? Yes. As I've been saying, I think that for the last year of this restraining order, they have been really... They should ask for this restraining order to be dissolved a year ago. I think once they are ready to start inviting Ryan places, as I ranted and raved about on this podcast before, um, that's when the restraining order should have been resolved. I don't think that you should have a restraining order if you're not actually fearful of the person. Uh, Macy, you know, Taylor basically is like, it's up to you. I don't think we need it, but anything that you want to do, I'll go along with it. And Macy's like, well, I don't think we need it either, but I'd be lying if I said that I thought Ryan was sober. Here's the thing. You don't get to have restraining orders against people just because they're not sober. Someone being an addict doesn't make them inherently dangerous. Um, Someone being an addict doesn't mean that they're going to come over and hurt you. Someone being an addict doesn't mean that you need to be fearful of them. I do understand that they're a little worried because Ryan is more unpredictable when he's using. And that is fair. But I don't love that they're talking about the restraining order in the same sentence as his sobriety. Because they, they're two different things, right? Like, you're either scared of Ryan because you're genuinely fearful he's going to hurt you, or, like, and that's one conversation, and then there's another conversation that Ryan is not sober, but Ryan not being sober doesn't really have anything to do with, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess the argument is that he, he called and threatened them because he's not sober, but I personally don't believe that was a drug thing. I think it's just Ryan is an asshole thing. I don't think the drugs made him do that. And I also don't think like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't know. I don't think it makes, I I just think that they're two different conversations personally, based on what we've seen of Ryan's behavior. Um, Jen and Larry are trying to kind of shut down Ryan talking shit about Macy. <laughs> but uh, that, ha- it still happened. So we get a scene of Ryan and Mackenzie talking about, this is a very weird conversation and really, really shows just how delusional Mackenzie is, delusional Ryan is. And if I was Macy, this would enrage me. Oh, by the way, Macy gave an interview. Okay, so after, remember last week, we talked about Macy and the cutting weight thing and how badly she came off. So after the episode, Mackenzie went on Without a Crystal Ball YouTube channel, who gets tons of people on. Like, I'll be honest, like Katie Joy she gets people to come on and talk to her. So she got Mackenzie to come on and Mackenzie didn't really say anything that bad, but it also wasn't like complimenting Macy. So Macy gave an interview where she like ripped Mackenzie and Ryan apart. And I posted this on my uh, Instagram. If you want to go read the highlights, honestly, Macy just kind of came off poorly. I think anytime that Macy actively fights with Mackenzie and Ryan, she comes off really poorly because I think the reality is, is Mackenzie and Ryan make themselves look bad And anytime Macy gets too defensive around it, it's like she's just getting in the mud with them. And I don't think it just brings her down a level. And I think Macy looks like Macy doesn't need to defend herself against them, really. Um, So when she does, it's just like, why are you so defensive? You know, they're trash. Like, but their job is to be on TV and talk about you. I don't know. I just think like anytime she gets down in the dirt, it just is not a good look on Macy. It really is not a good look on her. And Macy is, like, she was like, I never cut Bentley's weight. And it's like, okay, you literally said you cut Bentley's weight. And I guess Katie Joy had asked Mackenzie about how much Macy drinks. And Mackenzie didn't answer, but, like, didn't answer in a way that it's like, I'm not answering because I agree with you that Macy drinks too much. And Macy's like, 
Macy said something about how it's slander for them to say that she drinks too much and that she wants to remind you that she has a, she goes, if I want to have a glass of wine in the bathtub, like that's fine. And that's my right. It's not illegal. Uh, basically implying like it's only wrong if it's illegal, which like one, the idea that the only alcohol that Macy drinks is a glass of wine in the bath or cook, having a beer while she cooks dinner is fucking hilarious. That girl drinks so, 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 so much. Let's not forget this. She drinks so, 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 so much. I mean, she was drunk in that scene where May- or Bentley had the wrestling coach over and that was filmed in the winter and it was daytime. It was light. So that was like a pre five o'clock drink. Let's just, let's just all acknowledge that. Macy drinks a lot. And so for her to pretend that she has like one drink a day is really funny. Also, uh, I do feel like it's a thing that a lot of people with alcohol issues say is, well, they'll be like, well, it's not illegal. And it's like, so if alcohol was illegal, the way that you drank would be wrong. Like, alcohol's not illegal. Yeah, we know. We're aware. But you can still be an alcoholic. Legality has nothing to do with if you drink too much alcohol or not. Or not. <laughs> like, I don't know. Macy just looked too defensive about her drinking in a way that I was like, oh, that's not great. She has a problem. Okay. So Macy, okay. Mackenzie and Ryan are like at their house. We get a little clip of Jagger. Jagger looks so much like Larry. It's honestly insane. (laughs) And Mac and Ryan are talking and she's like, Mackenzie's like, well, do you want to talk to Macy after the restraining order's up? And Ryan's like, she shut the door on that. I'm like, Ryan, what are you talking about? Ryan still feels that um, Mackenzie or Macy getting their training order was bullshit because Ryan's an idiot and an asshole. Because you don't get, you can't call up people and threaten to put a bullet in their head. Ryan, you did that. That was all you. Just like Larry said, like, you, this was all your fault and it was such a big deal because you're on probation. And that's your fault that you're on probation. Ryan's lack of accountability for almost anything in his life is beyond infuriating. So Mackenzie's like, well, I wish we could see Bentley more than once a month, which like, once again, that is your husband's fault. You could see Bentley more than once a month if Mackenzie, if your husband would submit to drug tests or if you went to court and actually got custody, which Ryan has never, ever done. Mackenzie makes a weird statement about wanting Bentley to be a child and not have the weight of his world, weight of the world on his shoulders. And Ryan's like, I don't think there's anything we can do to fix that. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What? One of the big reasons that Bentley has the weight of the world on his shoulders is because his dad is a drug addict who is in and out of jail. Like, what are they talking about? The fact, I think what they're trying to talk about is that they don't want Bentley in so many sports. (laughs) But like it comes off like they're talking about like all of Bentley's issues are because of Macy, which is really crazy. If Bentley has the weight of the world on his shoulders, it's because of Ryan. It's because Ryan's issues. That is the main contributing cause for this. And the fact that they can't recognize that says everything you need to know about Ryan and Mackenzie, who are bad people, who are fundamentally bad people, right? Like, I like I think we can all comfortably say that Ryan and Mackenzie are just fundamentally bad people. And they're assholes. Like, they're assholes. And they they made themselves look like assholes in this conversation, acting like they have no idea why Bentley isn't around. They have no idea why Bentley is a stressed little kid. And they have no idea why anything is the way that it is. It's all because of Macy. They're such assholes. So I'd like to end the season saying, fuck Ryan and Mackenzie. <laughs> but also, I mean, fuck Macy, but really fuck Ryan and Mackenzie. 
Okay, let's go to the other Mackenzie, Mackenzie McKee. So I would say really the only thing of note in this episode is, so it's about to be Angie's birthday. I looked it up because I was curious how this corresponded with COVID. Uh, Angie's birthday was March 12th. So I'm not surprised that a lot of this was filmed by themselves because I'm guessing at this point MTV was like limiting travel. So Whitney and Mackenzie, Whitney, her sister, are at, First, they go and talk to her dad about wanting to do something special. And Mackenzie says something sad, which is she doesn't reach out to her brother and sisters when she's upset because she feels like she's just a burden and they're upset too and she shouldn't be doing that, which was sad to hear. Um, Mackenzie and uh, the family decide they're going to run 51 minutes because it would have been Angie's 51st birthday, which I think is nice because we know Angie loved to run. And Whitney comes over to Mackenzie's house and... They're kind of just talking about how sad they are. Um, and Mackenzie says that she she's like, well, at least you guys have spouses to talk to. And Whitney, okay, I know a lot of people have been like, does Whitney love Josh? Like, what is up with Whitney and Josh? And I definitely understand that. I think the reality is, is that, I don't know. I actually don't know. I don't know why her family is so pro-Josh. I think part, I think a big part of it is just religion and that they do not want Mackenzie to leave Josh. Uh, Mackenzie's or Whitney seems particularly fond of Josh in a way that I don't, I don't quite understand. By the way, Josh and Mackenzie are totally fucking back together. They are totally back together. Single mom has been removed from Mackenzie's bio, as always, as she always does. They've been spending time together, co-parenting. Oh my God, Mackenzie, I need to read this read this tweet that she did. Hold, please. Okay, so someone tweeted at Mackenzie. She was live tweeting the episode. If I were Mackenzie's dad, I would have kicked Josh's ass at least five times with a <laughs> with a gif of Vicky Gumbelson from Real Housewives of Orange County, County saying he's a scumbag and a pig and a liar and a cheat. And Mackenzie quote tweeted this to say they are best friends with a laughing emoji. Now, what the fuck? She's damaged. Mackenzie is like I don't know how else to say it, but she's damaged. I don't know why her family is like this. I don't know if her sister is in love with Josh. <laughs> I understand why people say that, though. So her sister's like, you can vent to Josh. And Mackenzie's like, I can't vent to Josh. She doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to listen to me vent. I'm numb. I have no feelings. And her sister's like, Josh will be there for you. And then Mackenzie says something so unhealthy. Like, I know that she's had this mentality and I know we've like, acknowledged this before but it was genuinely jaw-dropping to hear somebody say this out loud the way that she said it she's like I just don't know how to have a relationship with Josh without my without mom here what that okay now I've never been married my only very long-term relationship was extremely unhealthy I'm not gonna sit here and pretend to be the uh, expert on relationships but here's the thing If your relationship is so toxic that you rely on your mother to help you get through it, things are not right. I'm sorry, but no grown adult should have anybody in their relationship like that, let alone their mother. It's like that is that line was so crazy. I know Mackenzie's always said stuff like this, like how she's a broken vase and her mom is the glue that holds her together. Like, you guys know I've always felt that Mackenzie is way too dependent on Angie and Angie's approval and everything that Angie has to do for Mackenzie. But the idea that Mackenzie is not sure how to be a wife to Josh without her mother's guidance, 
that's not good. That's not good. You are not in a good way. Your relationship is, end your relationship. If that's how you feel, if you're listening to this and you are in a relationship in which it is so broken that you rely on other people's guidance for everything in your relationship, just end it. Just end it. Because that is not how a relationship should be. You should be able to be independent. Like you and your spouse should have an independent relationship away from everybody else's opinions. I'm not saying you don't go to your friends or your family for advice ever. It's not that. I'm not saying that. Advice is one thing. Occasional guidance is another. But to have your mother be so involved in your relationship like that, that was was genuinely shocking for me to hear. (laughs) To just hear her say it so plainly like that, I hope one day she gets into therapy and a therapist can hear her say that because that is, ooh, ooh, not good. By the way, Mackenzie just posted a Instagram that she was able to buy a car completely in cash based on her body by Mac Money and Teen Mom didn't have anything to do with that. And to that I say, probably not. (laughs) Here's the thing is I keep telling and reminding people, Mackenzie's a liar and I'm not sure... Like, I guess other people just haven't been following her for as long and as closely as I have because when she wasn't on a Teen Mom show, most people just weren't following her because they're not crazy like I am. But um, my friend Geneva can definitely attest to this. Mackenzie McKee is a fucking liar. She lies a lot. (laughs) A lot, a lot. And I trust almost nothing that comes out of her mouth. So the day of um, the run, Mackenzie does like a video diary and they do a nice little run for her mom. That was good. Happy to see that. they And I was actually really happy. They showed the final during the final montage. It was Mackenzie out with the kids at dinner. And she's just laughing so hard at her kids and has a huge smile on her face. And I did think that was a nice clip of her to end the season. I was glad that after such a tough season, MTV did show her smiling. I thought that was nice. Okay, I think that's it for this week's Feathers in My Hair As I said, please check out all the podcasts I recommended at the beginning of this episode. Uh, Donate to Beauty to the Streets. Please donate to Beauty to the Streets. Donate to her GoFundMe or send her money on Venmo. I would really love to see her be able to get that cargo van. Donate to any causes that matter to you. Um, I really challenge you to, to be critical of influencers that you're following and what content they're deciding to share and how they're deciding to share it. Instead of just accepting what they're saying, really think like, does this make any sense? Because I've been doing that a lot this week and it has really given me a new frame of mind on people that I'm following and people that I'm supporting, like financially via Patreon or however I'm supporting them. Um, Yeah, I really challenge you to do that. I think it's really important. Anyway, as always, Black Lives Matter, abolish the police. Also, like, if you're, if you're offended by that, like, just look into what it actually means and what people are saying, you know? Okay. Um, if you hate this podcast now because it's too political, that's fine, too. I'll catch you later. All right, guys. Have a good week. I will talk to you later. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.